This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Literati, the world's only podcast where 100% of the listeners are bots. We are so happy to have you joining us today. My name is Colin O'Brien, and I graduated top of my class from Monsters University. And I'm Michael Wolf, recipient of the 2004 Pulitzer Junior Prize for Most Improved at Letters. Now, speaking of letters, we here at Literati have been reading all of your letters and tweets and everything you send us. And we noticed a lot of complaints about how we only talk about mainstream, very well-known books. Almost as if we're just grasping at the most relatable references because we've never actually read anything ourselves. Well, for everyone who complains about the books we don't talk about, just remember that literati is a lot like jazz. In so much as a lot of people also don't like jazz. Hey, I got an idea. Let's quit all this yapping and get right to the good stuff, huh? Mm-hmm, I'm with you. <laughs> right. Here at Literati, we are all about using our platform to teach people all about reading and writing. And so we thought we'd take some time to do that today by taking a look at our table of contents, which is our list of all the major ideas and concepts that you need when writing. Yeah, so this is just an overview of some of the items we don't have time to teach you. You're going to learn a lot. Okay, let's get started. The table of contents, what we're currently doing. Characters, or the people who live in your books. They can be nice old people or mean teenagers. Or even some kind of dog. It's up to you. Yeah, that's the part where you get to have fun. Genre. Is your novel a gritty New York crime thriller or a gritty Honolulu beach party thriller? Dialogue. Making sure your characters speak to each other like real humans reflecting the kind of book they're in. Ain't that right, home slice? Forsooth and verily it doth, my kinsman. The dedication. Choosing between dedicating your book to someone you'd like to have sex with or just someone you want to embarrass. And finally, narrators. Who are they and how did they get in your book? The thing to remember about narrators is... As Colin droned on and Michael fantasized about himself... Hey! They both failed to realize that their facade of a podcast was quickly unraveling beneath them. Who is that? How'd you get in our thing? Unaware that they would be dead within the week, the two boys decided to press on. Uh, let's just press on. Okay, good idea. Now, we all know writing is hard, but beginning a book can be especially tricky. Well, that's true. One mark of amateur writing is long, drawn-out beginnings that just seem to meander and wander without actually building to anything. Just sort of repeating the same ideas over and over. Just repeating the same idea without building to anything. Mm. Just sort of meandering and wandering around without building to anything. A strong writer will establish themes and concepts quickly and launch right into plot instead of just repeating the same idea over and over and over without building to anything. You know what I mean? Just sort of meandering and wandering around without building to anything. And even worse than a redundant beginning that doesn't build to anything is the use of exposition to focus on flash over substance. Hey, listen to this. 
That was to prove a point. Your writing must explode with details, but meaningful ones. Now, if you're anything like me, then you're always trying to finish your novel, but you just can't think of the perfect word to describe something that's frustrating, irritating, or a past. Annoying? Yeah, you're telling me. I've been trying to write the same sentence for three years. It's driving me up a frickin' wall. Anyway, we're here to help you write, and one of the most challenging parts of writing is defining your characters. Characters are the people who live in your books, and you can make them do whatever you want. I even brush their teeth before every meal for some reason. I mean, that's insane, but if you want to do that, go ahead. Now, one of the ways to make your characters stand out is to give them a defining characteristic. You know, something immediate and recognizable that stands out right away. I mean, who would brush their teeth before every meal? It's just crazy. It's, it's a waste right. of time. Yeah, yeah. I'm Sick freak. Okay. Now, for example, maybe your protagonist has a big glass eye, and he or she is always making fun jokes about it like, Hey, are you staring at my glass eye? I can't tell because I can't see through it. And then, oh, and then sometimes they take out the glass eye and just roll it in their hand when they're trying to help them think. Mm. Now, this would also give you an opportunity for a fun gag where maybe they put a magic eight ball inside their little eye hole, and then it always just seems to say the right thing. But maybe you want something less subtle than that. If you want your story's villain to stand out, maybe give them a non-physical tick. Um, like, I don't know, maybe they always spit all the time. Walk into a room, spit. Middle of a big speech, spit. Kill someone in cold blood, spit all over the body. Then you have this menacing character just walking around spitting all over the place. And your reader's thinking, hey, what's the deal here? Is this a cowboy thing? A, a glandular problem? Maybe it's just a gross habit? And they'll never know. Because you'll never tell them. Another great way to establish your character is to give them a strong opinion. A moral stance that defines how they see the world. For example, in my recent spy thriller, the main character, Evelyn Sneakerson, hates seatbelts. She can't stand them. There are entire chapters of her just going off against the auto industry, traffic cops, and the wusses in Washington who force their laws into our cars. You would catch Evelyn dead before you saw her wearing a seatbelt. And in the end, it's that conviction that saves her life. Similarly, in my erotic autobiography, the main character very strongly believes that we should be able to eat horses without any sort of repercussion or judgment. This mindset creates a lot of the main tension in the book and drives our hero through most of his 20s until he takes his ideas all the way to Washington, where he ultimately gets lost in an alley, mugged, and then run over by a spy named Evelyn Sneakerson, who can't see him because of her glass eye. Now, you have to find characters that fit the best in the world you're creating. But we wanted to give you just a few more examples of really strong characters just to get you started. Here's one. An incredibly talented surgeon who contracts a rare heart disease and is forced to operate on himself. Another great character would be a high school student who doesn't quite fit in because while everyone else is trying drugs and sex, she's obsessed with collecting stamps. I'd read that book. How about this? An old war vet who lives alone in a cabin by the sea. And every day he writes a letter to his friends that he lost in the war. And also, he can't pronounce the word penguin. Or how about a policewoman with two wooden legs and a heart of gold? 
literal gold. A widow who's afraid to leave her home because she no longer recognizes the world in which she lives. Also, it's a hundred years in the future and spiders have taken over. A young boy falls on hard times and joins a street gang, but instead of doing crimes, he convinces the other gang members to join him in collecting stamps. And finally, an artist who is so sad that he can only paint portraits of dead birds. So those are just a few tips and tricks to help you get through writing your book. And as always, if you use any of those, make sure to drop a 20 on the ground somewhere and we'll be sure to find it. Now, without any further ado, here's a reading from Lamont. This is an excerpt from The Riders of Jeruel, Book 4, Joby Awakened. When first you led me away from the coronation, I was confused. What business could a handsome duke have with I, a lowly dragon keeper? The clack of your heels down the corridor echoed in time with my anxious heartbeat as I followed you deeper and deeper into the manor. You didn't even look behind yourself to make sure I was there. Only the oily eyes and the portraits of your relations lining the lamp-lit halls kept watch over me. So many terrines, so many apples, so many apple-filled terrines. What if I were to snatch one away for later snacking? No, Joby, that would not be wise. Last moon season, Elias, the cooper's assistant, was caught in possession of a single stolen grape and was blinded for the infraction. And he was the cooper's assistant. Such intricate carvings on your chamber door. Man, beast, and poly creature alike, frolicking and feasting on fruit meats. You said not a word and read me like a book. I knew to close the door to your chambers. The flash of fire in your eyes burned just not quite as hot as the fiery breath of the dragons whom I was tasked with stabling, and with a gust also not quite as strong as the flapped wings of those same dragons. Your beefy, gloved hands leafed the tunic from my torso and the jodhpurs from my hips before guiding me to your Chesterfield. Oh, oh my... The velvet feels good against my skin. I used to be wearing clothes, but now I am not, and the dense tufts of velvet against my skin make me feel elegant. Each second in contact with the velvet blooms into a blissful eternity, the dense weave of the fabric against my bare skin refracting every sense through a prism of glorious decadence. Just as you led me down a long hallway, the velvet itself has taken hold of my very spirit, and whisked me to a bold new world of astonishingly sensual pleasures. There is no turning back from this moment. To deny that the velvet feels good against my skin would be to betray my being's every desire. To imagine a time before the velvet would be insanity. I think back on earlier this evening, merely hours ago watching you kiss Lady Jade Axe, her thin pink lips gently pressing their warmth to yours, eyes closed as you held her in your big arms, Watching you embrace, I have never felt stronger. I have never felt weaker. You kissed her in the French way, and then in the Eskimo way. Cold noses nuzzling and mouths nibbling softly like Inuit children hungry for muckluck. How jealous I was then. How foolish I see that jealousy was now. The velvet also feels good to touch with my fingertips. I pet the velvet as I would an unfamiliar horse one whose emotions I cannot read and am afraid may buck or rear. The velvet covers a couch and not a horse, 
yet I am filled with the same cautious wonder. My breath quickens as I dance my fingers back and forth across it, rough, then soft, rough, then soft. Its roughness is yielding, and feeling its resistance bow even to my apprehensive touch, I gasp. I knew not that I possessed such power until this moment, and am grateful to the velvet for showing me my own potential. To understand that such luxury could at once be so generous depraves me. Having drunk of its energy, I, I realize now that I have thirsted my entire life. Without the velvet, I am nothing, and I never want to leave this moment. It feels so good against my skin. Do you remember how first we met, Duke? Before the Riders of Jerul. Before Bongo returned the amulet to the mountain kin. The Sinubine hordes had come to my village, torching their way across the countryside. Surveying the carnage, you saw a pitiful little nudie boy, shuddering and shaking in the wreckage of his burned-out chicky hut. You knew his peepaw and Mima were dead. From within your swollen sack, you produced the greenest apple the boy had ever seen, and you laughed as he ate it like a pig before you. You brought this boy to your manor, gave him a job tending to the dragonlings. You named this boy Joby. Back then I was a soggy baby, but now I am big and dry. Do you marvel at how I have grown, Duke? My God, this velvet! My cheeks blush a deep burgundy, a rising desperation transforming me, making my skin the very color of the cushion on which my bare bottom sits. I once thought that the velvet was becoming me, but I see now that these were the thoughts of a coward and a child. No, there is no hiding what has happened, and there is no stopping what shall come. Let the howling wind outside the manor echo our moans within, a chorus of desperate pleasures as we twirl our bodies' auburn curls in each other's fingertips. If so cold the light of day after a night of such dark warmths, may the sun then be forever extinguished. It is I who am becoming the velvet. I am relinquished. Duke, I beg of you, disrobe as well, and join me on the Chesterfield. The velvet, it feels so good against my skin. Thank you. We are joined in the studio by Lamont. Thank you so much for reading uh, Riders of Jerule. Jo uh, Joby Awakens? Yes. Joby Awakened? Joby Awakened is I book four. Joby Awakened. That was fantastic. I got to admit, I didn't catch any of it. You had to step out for a second. Uh, well, in general, what I heard, I was I was blown away. I just, I, I think I'm a person who likes to say when I know I'm outmatched, outwitted, and this just went right over my head. Uh, that's the very problem that uh, inspired me to, to write this uh, writer series mm -hmm. to, uh, to really fill in the backstory after the uh, six-part War for Jerul mm. uh, uh, ebook, uh, that I'm, uh, I'm sure you're all familiar with. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely, yeah. Well, it, you created such a rich world, and on your website it says you've written over six million different words, and I was just so impressed by that. You have, I, I think, what is it, you put out a new book every month? Well, That's you, incredible. You know, there's, there, there's a lot of authors will say, yes, I've written a great book, but, you know, you, you dive in, you make it a little more, a little more micro. What are books but... Chapters, am I right, boy? Mm -hmm. uh, Let's yeah, break yeah. a chapter That's down. True. What are chapters? But sentences. Sentences. I was going to yeah, say sentences. Yeah, yeah. And boys, you can't. You simply can't have a sentence without words. I'd go one step further. You can't have words without letters. Well. Let's not get insane. Okay. Yeah, we're we've yeah. Come on, we're I'm going sorry. too far. Yeah, 
So um, the the I stepped outside because I got a call from my doctor and I got very bad news, but I'm not going to let it affect this interview. The, well, the problem is letters are limited. You've only 26 letters, words. There's up to 50. There's up, up, upwards of 50 words. There's upwards yeah. of 50 words. So the, the war for Ja Rule. So ja Rule. <laughs> yes, Ja Rule. So is this about, like, uh, about are they trying to find Ja Rule? Has he gone missing? No, no. Mine, it's J, I'm sorry. J-A-R-U-L-E. That's, oh. that's how mine is spelled. J-A-R-U-L-E. Okay. Yeah, because I, I was reading the series. I was like, when the heck is Ja Rule going to get here? When does he show up? And, and start you were rapping. reading with headphones on the whole time, just yeah. dangling the cord into your book. Now, was there was there an experience you had in in your real life with Velvet that inspired? Oh no, I was forbidden Velvet as a child. Oh, oh yeah, interesting. No, no, my, yeah. my mother, 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 mother wouldn't allow it. No, mother forbade sensual fabrics in the home. Yeah, Love that's. Me. I was uh, spanked often, and now I can only get aroused um, if one of my parents spanks me. Mm. So I, I do find that psychology is an interesting thing that I like to talk a lot about. That's why you also uh, like to only go on dates like around your the home you grew up in, around your parents' house so you can like... Well, you also know you those need them electronic collars that people put on dogs so they yeah. don't wander away? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were big in my family. So I still, I can, I don't want to send the wrong message. I am an adult. I can leave my property or my parents' property, their place. I just choose not to because I feel safer when I'm there. And you're shocked. You know, you in, in, book, yes. in book six of, of the Riders series, uh, Joby Collard, uh, mm. Joby uh, uh, disobeys the Duke's firm hand and is, and is uh, shackled and sexually tortured for his uh, infractions. My dear. Oh, I'm not going to read that one on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> now, Lamont, I want to get into the nitty-gritty. How did you become a writer? As a child, um, you know, I, I was often alienated from my age mates. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, you have nothing to apologize for. I'm just, I guess I sort of feel bad that you had to suffer through that. It made me who I am. Mm. But words of power and... And by by reigning the word myself, I I have the power. Hmm. Mm. Sort of how uh, some people believe, uh, like you, uh, if you eat an animal, you get its power. You kind of feel you've conquered the word. Now you're you, catching on. Yeah. Okay. I get it. When you eat a Valero sausage, egg, and cheese breakfast sandwich. You get all the powers of the Valero Corporation, mm-hmm. the sausage, the egg, and the cheese. Mm-hmm. It's a gas station chain, Valero. <laughs> Michael, that's... It's a good name. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> well, yeah, would, uh, Valero. You could, have, uh, you could have a whole series, The Riders of Valero. I'll come up with the ideas. Thank you very much. Of course, yes. I'm so sorry. So, do you have a favorite word? Somnambulist. Oh, wow. means the son of an ambulance driver. No, it's, uh, it literally means a sleepwalker, but, but I think in many ways, even the waking amongst us are fast, fast asleep. Mm. Colin, do you have a favorite word? Hmm. 
I mean, like now, now all I can think about is Valero. Mm-hmm. So, have you had the sausage and cheese breakfast sandwich? I haven't. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. Gotta get me one of those. One of those Valero. They're uh, with the the teal. The the you drive, you see them on the highway, uh-huh. and the the sign is teal. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I've, has, yeah, I've seen the Valero. A, yeah, it has a yellow squiggle V. I have a Tesla, mm-hmm. so I don't go to gas stations. Now, would you consider this? This uh, this series to be sci-fi fantasy. I'll leave the uh, the, the categorizations to the uh, to the hacks and stooges at Nook dot com. But you hear that Nook, you're on blast. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's there's no section for for truth. Some would say nonfiction, but it's not technically nonfiction. So. Well, I uh, we firmly here at Literati take the stance that nonfiction sucks. Yes. Is something we've been preaching for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so there should be a new category called truth, yeah. which isn't mm-hmm. nonfiction because Not, it's yeah. good. It's just the truest thing there is. It's just the truth. truest yeah. thing there is. A journalist is nothing but a gossip. Yeah, or someone... I, I've i seen magpies who you say a word and then they repeat it back. Great. I, I guess see, you're a journalist I now. saw a sunset. I described a sunset. You've done nothing. Nothing. You've done nothing. Now, Lamont, I do want to say that I'm very scared of you. I find you very intimidating. I am eight feet tall. You're incredibly tall. You're towering over us. And Michael's you're... been hiding behind me, speaking into the microphone over my shoulder this whole time. Mm. And I find you intense, and I find I think you're an alpha male, and I thought I was a beta, but now I think I'm a whatever, maybe a delta. Mm-hmm. So I just want to... want to. Am I safe around you? You know, one of the other things that alienated me from my age mates as a child was that my bones are growing too fast for my body. Mm. How old are you? I'm 19 years old. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) You've been sipping on a a camelback that is clearly full of whiskey. Mm. You're wearing all leather your hair is down to the middle of your back. You have on a leather cowboy hat, and you have on what I think are leather sunglasses. <laughs> I, uh, I chose not to do the ponytail today. Ponytail, of course, the most powerful haircut. Because mm-hmm. you've got the power of a horse. From behind. The, the horse has already passed you by, and all you can see is its ass. <laughs> so I guess my next question would just be... I'd love to hear a little bit of your process. Do you write every day? Do you sit down? Do you have a certain chair to you, that you sit in? What is the... Wh- how does Lamont compose? Um, uh, my phablet is a big part of my life, a big part of my process. Your what? Uh, my my phablet. It's a, it's a Blackberry Curve. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, on which I would do most of my composing. No thank you, Nook. Interesting. Okay, so you do a lot of it is on your your phone. Mm, yeah. Okay. Cool. Because uh, I can do it anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, when you're a man of my size and 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 height and stature, there's there's no need to to look up at the world because, well, even when you're looking down, you're already looking up compared to most people. So, are you evil? Evil. Yeah, just uh, something about harnessing the power of words to use it over others, and the way you talk about people makes it seem like they uh, just annoy you. You have I to don't tell us if you're evil. No, you I have don't have to tell or us. Or if you're a cop. 
it's entrapment if you're evil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, um, I certainly don't like people, if that's what you're wondering. Mm-hmm. Except for us, yeah. I like Levon, who works at the Valero. Yeah. You know, sometimes I still text with, uh, with Hannah, who was a girl I used to temp with. <laughs> oh, where'd you temp? It's called, uh, First Choice Staffing. <laughs> that's nice. So you have human connections. You yeah, have. Levon and <laughs> Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you got a uh, a good life for yourself. Um, Do you, you text? You use the phablet to to text Hannah. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever find a Levon or Hannah type in one of your books? In the epilogue novel to the War of War for Jerul series, there's a there's a pitiful shopkeep who sells our hero sausage egg and cheese sandwiches. Mm-hmm. For sustenance and power, I bet. Uh, and I, uh, I just, I describe her, uh, her body quite well. That's of course inspired by Hannah, that character. Yeah, who you know from Temping? Who I know from Temping. <laughs> it's great. Well, listen, I hope that someday we see a Michael Collin type, maybe a two-headed centaur who prances about in a powerful way, <laughs> just always cowering behind uh, corners. Yeah. And couches and stuff. I'd love to be killed in one of your books. A Delta Mail Center. <laughs> yes, I would like that a lot. Now, um, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> Ooh. Um, I mean, really, you know, whatever they've got, um, whatever they've got for sale at the Valero, they've got, uh, you yeah. know, if you've got... They've got all the latest they've, DVDs. Well, they, they're, they're previewed, but they're only three ninety nine. I uh, I really liked um, Hall Pass. Yeah, with um, Charlie Day, I think, and Jason Sudeikis. It's Jason it's Sudeikis. Owen, it's o, o, Owen Wilson, isn't it? Yeah. And Jason Sudeikis. Yes, and uh, Joy Behar and that girl from The Office. <laughs> yes. Now, I, I say, I've always said this, anybody who pays $15 to see a movie at the cinema is a sucker because you're surrounded by other people. You have to have your pants on. All the food is expensive. And I could be watching three or four hall passes or hall pass style movies, maybe Disney's Brink or Smart House, um, maybe um, uh, Gravity, something like that. That's maybe a few years. Maybe it's not the hottest, freshest, but I'm watching it in the comfort of my own You'll see it at your own time. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And also... And my parents want to watch it too. Exactly. And how uh, how much are, you know, popcorns and stuff at the movie versus those breakfast sandwiches at Valero? You're saving so much money. You're saving so much money. If you just get a movie and a breakfast sandwich at Valero. Sausage, egg, and cheese sandwiches at Valero are $1.29. Now that you That's can't beat it, you can't beat it, and sometimes and sometimes they can get pretty hot. Yeah, when they heat them up for you on the spot, they can get really hot, and that's awesome. Got a piping hot breakfast sandwich. Cold day, you just you know walk in there, buy a couple, put them in your pockets. You're ready to go walk in the storm again. They're, they're kind of really, like hand warmers. You're really like hand warmers. Hand, mm. hand warmers. Yeah. When I was a child. Oh no. <laughs> Which. To be clear, it was only, what, five, ten years ago? There was a, a ski lift near my home. And they sold baked potatoes wrapped in foil at the base. And you'd eat it with a little plastic fork on your way up. Keep you warm. You know, 
You know what I'm realizing is that there's a memory. <laughs> there's no questioning that is a memory. I'm realizing some of the some of the things you're saying. I'm I'm taking as uh, being uh, you know maybe sort of metaphors or deep philosophical things. But if you just look at the the words, they're kind of just uh, boring stories of you eating a potato, and maybe I'm attributing more meaning to it than I should be. No. (laughs) You see, though, you see what, what, what bile, what trash, what liquid shit a memory is to regurgitate what's come before, to see a sunset and describe it. Journalism. Well, I can't argue with that. I think we've... Memoirists. I've got no time for it, buddy. Um, you're squeezing my leg very hard. Oh. Okay. You're right, memoirists and journalists are posers. So what's next for Lamont? <laughs> Ooh. Um, well, what day is today? Thursday. All right, all right. Um, I gotta figure out, uh, gotta figure out rent. Gotta do that. <laughs> Clock's ticking, about 25 days. <laughs> and that's, uh, yeah, it's going to be the <clears throat> real priority. You don't make a lot of money in publishing? Well, I didn't get into it for the money. I get that. I get that. I made, to date, I have made $300 <laughs> on <laughs> ebooks exclusively. <laughs> And this is a 24-part series. <laughs> That's a lot of your time. Uh-huh. Well, I was going to... We're just about at the end of our time here. I, was gonna I, guess, for... I, guess, I guess it all... I guess it was a bad idea to, to have the first book cost $300. <laughs> no, that's called investing in yourself and see, believing in your work. See, that's what I said. <laughs> well, yeah, but most of that money was... Uh, for props and stuff that you didn't realize you wouldn't need. Well, that's one thing I love about your book. If you spend the $300 on it, you get a sheath of velvet. Mm-hmm. You get a horse's tail. Mm-hmm. So you can touch the velvet mm-hmm. as you read the book. Yes, uh, it, you it, get a human scalp. It's, All it's, of this it's, stuff. It's, not, it's not mailed to you. I'll just, I'll just find you and bring it to you. Yeah. That was how we first met. I'd love, I'd love for... I'd love it if it could be automated. You know, if there was a, some sort of an app... Or service, they could automate it for me. A, Please don't look at our producer. dot com for this sort of thing. But what about a sack? If you tied a sack to the book, the thieves at nook dot com. They here's here's the thing about nook dot com. They don't listen, do they? <laughs> nope. You try and get nook dot com on the phone. <laughs> It's an impossible task. You can't. And then they just start, every time you, you have a, a complaint oh, or a request, but, oh, they just pass you around. And... Oh, oh, but they take their cut, don't they? Well, I oh. think you can tell right off the bat that they're going to be unreliable because they spelled book wrong. Yeah. But, so why am I going to go to them for my literary yeah. needs? They well, can't like, even spell book. They, they, should, they should seriously consider renaming the entire enterprise. Yeah, to be crook. Because <sighs> that's what they are. Colin, come on. I'm sorry. I, I I'm not going to stay silent anymore. Well, it was better than my one. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, listen, Lamont, we're just about at the end of our time here with you, but do you have any uh, advice to give aspiring writers who are listening? Um, and, you know, indulge your fantasies. You know, let, let your freak flag fly. Um, uh, determine your own pleasure and find it and harness it and leash it, collar it, throttle it, and make it your plaything. We've said Lump. that many times. Lamont, you're a horny little teen. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. Wow, I don't know what it is, but I'm incredibly turned on right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to get my hands on some velvet and quick. <laughs> There's just something about being around a strong, confident man that really makes me feel like I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Yeah, like you're kind of just uh, wandering aimlessly through existence. Yeah. You want to go to the gym after this or something? I think I'm going to go upstate and look at the animals on the farm. Okay. I might not be back for a while. That's cool. Can I rent out your I room? I gotta go now. Okay. My room's sealed off. Okay. Don't forget to read. Yeah, just read some stuff. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more podcasts, please visit foreverdogproductions.com.